Good morning and welcome everybody. You're listening to the Faith FM Network, 87.6, 87.8 or 88, depending on where you are right across Australia. This is The Breakfast Show, positively different radio in the morning and you are with Lyle and... Mon, good morning. Lyle, how are you? I am fantastic today. Are you sure? What do you mean am I sure? Well, you know, just it's your son's 21st birthday, so you might be feeling a bit old. No, I'm feeling happy by my son. Why would I be feeling old? I'm not old. I'm like 46. I mean, that's not old. Come on. <laughs> Actually, it might not my be... My youngest a, son. It might not be his birthday anymore because this is the delayed broadcast. So who knows? Well, that's right. Yeah, what, who knows what day it is? It's long past his birthday. Oh, in fact, I can guarantee it is not his birthday because this is the delayed broadcast. Aye, but we did record this on his birthday, which was the 17th of July. That's right. Yeah. So if you're listening to this show and it's not the 17th of July, well, in fact, if you're listening to this show, you are listening to it on a day other than the 17th of July and you should get with the show and get with the latest technology and listen to the live show. How do we do that, Mon? Well, it's so much better and you can do it. It's easier as well. You just go to faithfm.com.au and just press play or you can download the TuneIn app and search for Faith FM Australia and once again, just press play. And it's great because you can join in the show. You can answer the quiz and get the prize. You can get the free giveaway for the day. It's, it's all kinds of good stuff happening on the, on the live show. Absolutely. Okay, so what have we got coming up in today's show? We already know all about it, so let's make a prophecy. <laughs> let's prophesy that we are going to talk about abortion. Yes. And Queensland's new proposed laws in relationship to abortion. So you can mm-hmm. now uh, use abortion to choose the sex of your child. So if you have a child that is the not the right sex, you can kill it. What do you mean, not the right sex? Anyway, we're going to discuss more about that later. Yeah. Yeah, pretty horrific. We have a bunch of good news happening. So we have, you know, some good news regarding the um, the soccer, the World Cup. You know, it's been over for a while now. Ooh, time you've yeah, to it, but yeah, yeah. But still some good news stories coming out of that. Okay. And uh, and also some other good news stories that are blanking me right now. I can't remember. What did we talk about for good news again? Yeah, we talked about all kinds of stuff. But, yeah. but we are um, we're also going to talk about... Uh, climate change mm-hmm. and human-manipulated climate change. Yes, and whether or not and it's the ethics a good of idea. it. Mm, yeah, yeah can, because this affects the whole world. So, can the whole world vote for it or against it? And yeah. Is that ethical to do it? Uh, it's going to affect some people well. It's going to th- affect other people badly. We've got a great interview coming up as well with a uh, a lady from Papua New Guinea who is the director of children's ministries uh, for our church conference in uh, one of our church conferences in Papua New Guinea. Uh, we're going to talk about some of the specific challenges of children's ministry in a country like that. And we also answer the question of the day, which is about the kingdom keys, not to be confused with the keys to a city, which is what I was kind of hoping for. But <laughs> <laughs> stay tuned. We have a great yes, show coming up. Who has the keys to the kingdom and how? if you have them, how do you use them?
was Savannah Ellis with Love, uh, Love, sorry, You Never Let Me Go here on Faith of M. Got to get that one right. <laughs> you know, so make it sound like the wrong kind of station. Yeah, <laughs> Lyle. This is, this is, this is uh, Faith FM, so we have, uh, yeah, that was about love for God, just clarifying. Amen, amen. Yeah. I'm feeling very comfortable this morning, Lyle. I just looked around for my slippers, where to put my slippers on, then I realised, I'm at work, my slippers are at home. <laughs> <laughs> what is wrong with your brain this morning? Sorry, did you? <laughs> Too much French toast has something. hit the brain already. <laughs> oh, short circuit my brain. But hey, speaking of brains, it's time to get yours into gear, dear listener. It is time for our breakfast quiz. Yesterday's didn't get answered. I think maybe it was too hard. Yesterday's was an easy one. Come yeah, on, was, Ephesus. Yeah, it was the city of Ephesus. This morning is a who am I? And I don't want to say actually it's any easier. This one is not the most popular person in the you Bible. You know what I find? I find some of our harder and more obscure ones get answered quicker. Yeah, it's strange, I think, isn't I think it? it's like people like, yeah, I know the answer, so I'm going to call. And the other one's like, oh, that's too easy. I won't bother. Yeah, everyone knows that. They probably have like 10 callers already. Yeah. Yeah. Well, this one is, I want to say it's like a medium hard one. Okay, medium hard. So, it's a who am I? Not the most popular person in the Bible, but definitely not an mm. unknown. Maher Shalal Hashbaz. Who? <laughs> <laughs> no, not the Mashahabs. Not him. The son of Isaiah. Not the son of Isaiah. Okay. One of the sons of but Isaiah. How funny would it be if it was the son of Isaiah? Oops, get another quiz. Okay, who am I? Clue number one. When the king of Israel read the letter I had brought him, he tore his clothes and said, Am I God that I can kill and bring back to life? Oh, yes. Uh, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yep. Got it. Yeah. Got yeah. it. Got it. Uh-huh. I think I got it off that clue as well. This but, yeah. guy was suffering. He was suffering. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, yeah but he, he turned out to be a pretty good bloke, didn't he? Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, He's yeah. a good guy. Yeah. But if, he was suffering. If you know who that is, give us a call. Not the king, the guy who wrote the letter to the king. That's right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, give us a call. The number is 1 800 Faith FM. That's 1 800 324 Or you can text the number is 0491. Zero six four six six nine, and uh, if you get the answer right, we will of course send you the prize. Mm, there you go. Mm. Okay, very good. So, what do we got in positively different radio this morning, Mon? Oh, it's so much good news. It okay. Always is your voice. So I know. I know. We never hear it on the normal news stations, though. Well, they're missing out because there's so much good stuff they could plunder. They just choose not to. They yeah. choose to go with the negative stuff. Anyway, so of course, spoiler alert: France won the World Cup. I'm actually really sad about it. I'm not sad you that said they that yesterday. I know, but I've got a good news story that came out of it. Oh, okay. Yeah, and I'm not sad that they won at all. I'm sad because I've been not allowing myself to watch the World Cup, and I was like, I'll watch the final, but not the rest of it. Because oh, I, and then you missed it. And then I was dead asleep and didnn't realize I was too busy having Emery's 21st birthday party <laughs> and didn't realize it was the night of the final and slept right through. Yeah. Woke up in the morning and my phone's like got a million messages about France winning. I was like, oh, I missed it. <laughs> <laughs> I had flags and everything ready. Anyway, so I so went- did you fly a French flag? I ha- I haven't because I kind of was cheering for Croatia. <laughs> <laughs> well, you could have flown the Croatian flag. I mean, yeah, seriously, that was, they, they put up such a great fight. They, they have huge. everything to be proud of. Yeah, absolutely. You know, to to make it to the final, absolutely. Um, you know, you can't you can't not be proud of that. Yeah, I, I mean, I have both their flags. I, I was kind of playing to just stick them both up. But anyway, so the kid who won the World Cup uh, for France, he's actually nineteen. Um, have you heard of a nineteen-year-old Kylian Mbappe? Yeah, I'm not good at pronouncing those names, so I'll let you do that. Yeah, so he he was a forward player for the team. Um, 
and uh, and he he sort of won the tournament for them, and uh, so he made quite a bit of money from this. He every game that he played, the seven games that he played during the World Cup, he made twenty two and a half thousand dollars for each game. Gosh. Plus, he got a bonus, um, three hundred and fifty thousand dollar bonus for winning the tournament. So mm-hmm. he got like half a million in earnings um, yep. for this World Cup. But instead of modest for a for yeah. a high level um, yeah. sports player, I think um, what's the guy that just signed with Ju- Juventus is getting. Uh, what, nearly a billion dollars or something rather? No, yeah. A hundred million or some crazy amount over the next nine years. I forget exactly mm-hmm, what it was, mm-hmm. but a, an enormous sum. Yeah, okay. I mean, mm-hmm. half a million is not bad for like one tournament. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's, it's, it's good money. Don't yes. get me wrong. Yes, <laughs> absolutely. Uh, you can pay me half a million. I'll, I'll go play soccer for you. <laughs> for seven games. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Anyway, so um, instead of, you know, rolling in his cash, which most, you know, people would do after they get a big windfall, he's donating 100% of his money to charity. Oh, is that so? Every single last penny that he makes really? from the World Cup, he's donating the whole lot. That is sensational. Yeah. So he's donating to a Premier's de Cordy charity. I hope I pronounced that correct, you French people. And it's a charity that helps disabled and hospitalized, hospitalized children into sports. So, yeah. He, oh, that's fantastic. Yeah, isn't that sweet? And uh, do you know who Pele is? Pe- Pele? Yeah, 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 yeah. Greatest, uh, arguably the greatest soccer player who ever lived. Uh, he tweeted and he said, if Kylan keeps equaling my records like this, I might have to dust off my boots again. <laughs> 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 to which, to which Kylan um, um, responded, the king will always be the king. <laughs> this is a really modest guy. Yeah, he, yeah. Humble, he's, charitable. He's He's getting a reputation for being uh, kind, humble and, and yeah, generous as well. So What a... Just a really decent human being. And only 19 years old. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah. He's being applauded that, you know, he's... Yeah, most 19-year-olds, you know, with um, half a million dollars to play Ferrari, with... Ferrari, Lamborghini. Just go stupid. Yeah, yeah. Just go absolutely stupid, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. buy a monster truck or something like that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> just go nuts with it and it's all gone in no time at all or, the, you know, the, 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 the whole wild lifestyle kicks in and, and he's just, you know, he's out there, he's helping um, disabled people and, and saying really nice things to, you know, competitors. Yeah, his true character is coming out. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. I have another really, really great story. I'm loving this one. Um, so a, a, a guy saved 26 girls from human trafficking. Mm-hmm. Uh, guess how he did it? Mm-mm. Twitter. 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 This guy, I'm so I'm I'm so impressed with him. So his name is this was in India and his name is Adarsh Shivart Stava. So he was I'm on really struggling yeah. with names pronunciations this morning. I'm just making them up. <laughs> <laughs> so he was travelling on a train in uh, in northern India. Just Indi- offended all the French people. Yeah. Now you're gonna offend all the Indians <laughs> I'm as well. Sorry, I'm sorry. <laughs> uh, so he was travelling on a train in northern India, uh, in the state of Uttar Pradesh. Uh, when he noticed something suspicious um, in his cabin, there was a large group of juvenile girls. Um, all of them were visibly distressed. Uh-huh. And so he he got suspicious about what was going on. And so he pulled out his phone and he started tweeting at the railway authorities um, at the station, the upcoming station. So he wrote, I'm traveling in um, Advia Express and then put the number of the train. In my coach, there are 25 girls, all of them juvenile and crying and all feeling insecure. And then he hashtagged like at Rail India, at the police of that region and uh, and a couple of other authorities. And, uh, and then he followed with another text saying, um, suspecting they're subject to human trafficking. My current station is Hari Nagar. My next station is Bagada and then... Please kindly help them out. Please help. And then tag them all over again. And in a few stops later, railway police in plain clothes boarded the train, rescued all the girls and arrested two men 
Oh, nice. Yeah. Um, Got them. Who were trafficking them. Scum. Yeah, I know. Scum of the earth. And um, and so they were indeed, they had indeed been kidnapped and were, they were being trafficked. And uh, the girls were later transferred to uh, state child welfare authorities who are currently working to reconnect them with their families. So, yeah. I know, that, well. I know that God's forgiveness is available for everybody. And I pray for these traffickers that they will find and experience that forgiveness. But there are few things lower in the world mm. than someone who will traffic young girls. Yeah. It's yeah. just... It's just it is just horrific. How how low could a person have to get, you know, and 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 morally corrupt to be mm. able to be involved in something like that? Yeah, absolutely decrepit because they're children, you know, yeah. girls or boys, they're children, and um, knowing what's going to happen to them, what you've doomed their fate to be, mm-hmm. um, is just even if you're not involved in what happens to them down the line, the fact that you push them over that precipice, precipice, like you're the problem. It started yeah. with you. Yeah, I, yeah. yeah. I just I have. I, I know it might sound a bit extreme, but I really truly believe that people who are involved with any sort of sex crimes, I, I really wish we brought back the castration law. Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. I don't, I'm not into capital law, but I'm. They into do in some countries. They do chemical castration, and it's a uh, it's a voluntary thing. Mm-hmm. And there are quite a number of um, pedophiles who voluntarily um, uh, go with medical castration because that means that they can live a normal life in society, mm-hmm. and they choose mm-hmm. that over. You know, incarceration, and it works. Yeah, it, it makes sense, and it works. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I mean, seriously, just what is the problem? Why, why just bring it back? Yeah, yeah. Problem solved. Yeah. Problem solved. Right there. Do you think our society might find it a bit extreme to have castration as a a, a punishment? Oh yeah, absolutely. It's never going to be passed in Australia. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just it's just the way you know there'd be too many people you know do good as you know standing up for the rights of. These kind of um, absolute scum that would mm-hmm. would stop it from going through, but it uh, I, I totally support it. I think it's a well, great idea. Well, if I was Queen of Australia, anyway, <laughs> this uh, this Indian dictator. this Indian vote gentleman for, vote for dictator Mon. <laughs> this Indian gentleman, uh, when he was uh, lauded as hero, he simply said, "Thanks, but a citizen as a citizen of India, it is our responsibility to help people." Redeeming love 
good pleasure safely to arrive at home. Jesus That was Chelsea Moon with Come Thou Found here on Faith FM. And Mon, do we have another clue for our I quiz? I do. How good was that song? I was really enjoying that. I think everyone in the studio yeah, was enjoying that. Yeah, everyone in the studio was getting into that one. Have we played that one before, Shella? Is that our it's first time we've played it? Hey, first time for that one. Shella, our producer, is picking out some really great music over the, over the weeks and months while she's here. Okay, who am I? Clue two. My wife's servant said I should visit the prophet in Samaria. Hmm. And just P.S. Of course, as ever, clues are up ahead of time on our Instagram, on our Insta stories. If you want to have a sneak peek at some uh, further down the line clues, you can do that on our Insta Faith FM Live. I have a I have a question about that first clue. Actually, I'm going to check something later. The, the, the clue might actually be incorrect. Oh, okay. But just, just, just ever so slightly. Just ever so, ever so slightly. Here yeah, we ever go. so slightly. Here we we're we're going to have a look during the, uh, the next uh, song break, and we're going to come back uh, at the uh, Encounter with God section, find out whether that clue was 100% correct or not. Anyway, what should we talk about this morning? Let's begin by talking about abortion, which in Queensland, um, they are looking at um, making it no longer a criminal issue, but changing it from a criminal issue to a health issue. Um, by doing so, they would allow abortions up to 22 weeks, which which would allow for uh, sex selection abortions. What? Um, doctors could refuse um, or refuse to give an abortion, but they would need to refer the patient to somebody who would. Hang on, when you say sex selection, provide, does that mean like they want a boy, but they're having a girl, so they so they kill their child? Oh. 
Yeah, that's pretty. You know, when you, when you when you have abortions allowed up to twenty two weeks, that's what you can actually do. That's you know, <sighs> you can you can like yeah, that's the wrong sex, so we'll just kill that one. And you know, so it's it's pretty horrific, that's really. Re- yeah, that is. it is really, really, truly horrific. Um, creating a one hundred and fifty meter exclusion zone around abortion clinics where anti-abortion people cannot provide help and assistance for assistance for people who are considering having an abortion. Oh, snaps. Yeah. So it's um it's 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 not a very uh yeah, it's one of those things that really really disturbs me. The value that we place on the most vulnerable life in our community is so low. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. we, we we pat ourselves on the back in, you know, Western civilization, like, oh, we place such a high value on life and we have such a great medical system and we have the Hippocratic Oath and, you know, all this kind of stuff and we're always trying to save life and we, we go to such extraordinary lengths to preserve life and to lengthen life and all these kind of things. And then we go around and we kill the weakest of the weak, the most vulnerable, the ones who can't defend themselves by you know either by fighting back or even those that don't even have a voice voice. yeah and 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 we kill them in in, you know in in enormous numbers every year and it 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 is just a terrible terrible thing these are children that can be filled with the holy spirit you know the bible says that john the baptist was filled with the holy spirit from the moment of conception Mm. and if the holy spirit and if you are a pregnant lady today there's something to pray for pray that your unborn child is filled with the holy spirit today because the Bible says that that is something that 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 is a real thing. Amen. And uh, something great to pray for. So I did a bit of research, and it was interesting to do research. And what I found was that the higher the level of value we place on adult life in our world, the lower the level of value we place on children's life. Can't we value them both equally? Well, apparently we don't. Okay, and then the lower the and this is this is a, a you know a rough survey of course, mm-hmm. uh, but the lower the level of value we place on adult life, the higher we value children's lives. Okay, so your countries that uh, value children's lives very very highly, and of course don't allow um, abortions. Here's just a few stats on abortion. So ninety percent of countries um, in the world allow abortions to save the mother's life. Mm-hmm. Uh, there are a few countries, uh, Roman Catholic countries, where they will try and save the child's life rather than the mother's mm-hmm. uh, because the mother's already been baptized, therefore she's going to heaven. And they want to get the child out alive so that they can baptize it and it can go to heaven as well. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's a slightly different, um, but that, that's, you know, that's 3% of countries that go down that path. Um, 68% allow abortion for, in, to protect the mother's health. Okay. Um, so if you know she's going to be, you know, maimed for the rest of her life as a result of this, if there's a very very high risk that she's going to die, they'll allow abortions. In that case, fifty one percent for um, instances of rape and incest, and fifty uh, percent for fetal impairment. Um, just you know, pure selective abortion, like I don't feel like having this baby, so I'm going to kill it, mm-hmm. is about thirty percent of the world. Mm-hmm. And that's pretty much just your um, your, your Western countries, mm-hmm. and so uh, Asia Pacific, South America, Africa have the toughest laws on abortion, mm-hmm. and place the highest value on the lives of of uh, children, and you know countries like the United States and Australia and Western Europe place the lowest value on the lives of children. Wow. wow. We are the ones who place the highest value on the on the lives of adults. Mm-hmm. You know, so there's this inverse relationship and it sort of makes me wonder what is going on with our world. How messed up is our world? 
It still boggles my mind that that we sort of seem to choose one or the other. I would have thought life is life. You know, how can you not value all of it equally? Absolutely. And how can you not value the life of a child? Mm, absolutely, yeah. You know, it just it, 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 it staggers my imagination. And, of course, if you're somebody this morning who has chosen to have an abortion and uh, you feel bad about that, don't forget that God comes to all of us and he offers forgiveness mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and freedom from guilt and freedom from pain because I know that um, you know a lot of women who choose this path uh, have actually chosen to give themselves a life sentence. Yeah, yeah. And, and, and it's something that they regret for the rest of their life and that they never get over and suffer the emotional consequences yeah, of I'm, it. I'm, you know, oh. it's just the, the consequences are massive. And if it's something you're thinking about, think about the emotional consequences that this will have on you for the rest of your life. I'm always surprised when they discuss or debate um, abortion that they, they don't seem to shine much of a light on the statistics about you know what happens to the woman yeah, after the, the she's, depression yeah. and, 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 and anxiety the, and the guilt and it just goes on for years and years suicide yeah, suicide rates just so high because you know they know it if there's any argument for it that's just so obvious it's like look how bad it is for the mum and 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 so you know it, it's driven by the feminist movement that we should allow abortions just as a, as a as a uh, you know as a total freedom all right then why aren't we interested in the in the mental and emotional health of the mother mhm mhm why are we more interested in killing children than preserving the mental and emotional health of, of, of the mother? Yeah, especially because it doesn't, you know, it's, it's detrimental to the mother as well. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, on another, if you've got a thought on that, give us a call, 1-800-324-843. We would love to talk to you about it. Um, on another point, let's consider um, climate change mm-hmm. and geoengineering. Um, so a lot of churches, and Pope Francis and has led the way on this, have come out talking about climate change and the need for us to address the issues of climate change. Evangelical church leaders have followed suit. And so now we're looking at large-scale climate intervention, which really comes from two different directions. One is greenhouse gas emissions, so lowering emissions or storing them underground. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, the other comes from solar radiation management, which involves adding aerosols to the atmosphere to reflect sunlight back out into space. Okay. Um, and the question is, are we playing God? Should we be involved in this or not? Well, did we now, Of course, the solar radiation one is the, is the most controversial. Yeah, I'm, I've never heard of anything like that. Yeah, this is a um, relatively um, new concept that is being worked on. Nobody really knows the long-term results. Mm-hmm. Um, but the concept behind it is that if we can do effective solar radiation, then we don't need to cut emissions. Okay. And, of course, you know we can cut emissions all we want here in Australia. It's going to have no effect on the world because of what's happening in China and India. Yeah. You know, so we, we give ourselves a nice warm fuzzy and a pat on the back, but it's not actually having any measurable effect on the planet because of China and India. And so they're like, well, and, you know, because China and India, let's do solar radiation instead because then we can pollute to our heart's content. I definitely think that if we've messed it up, we need to focus on cleaning it up. But on the same level, like oftentimes we've come up with some sort of big uh, solution, it ends up being more of a problem in the end. So yeah. I'm wondering about this, is it really going to be that effective? And so lowering temperatures would hurt some, it would advantage others. Impoverished people wouldn't get a say in it, voiceless people wouldn't get a say in it, which is so much of a population of our world. And being a global issue, you can't vote on it. Mm, yeah. You know, have we ever had a global vote on anything? I don't know, but couldn't we try? 
it would be cool, cool, fun to try. <laughs> it would be so much fun to try. But, you know, are we playing God here or should we just leave God in control of it? Personally, my view is that when we were given dominion over the earth, it was like, okay, if you break it, you fix it. Mm-hmm. That's, that's my view of it. And we should investigate, you know, doing whatever we can to fix our environment. But that's just my opinion. Amen. This is Marion Blythe Peppers with Search for Me. Sit beside me while I weep I'm crying to you on bended knee I know you are there though far you seem So I'm clinging to you, hold on to me
Welcome back, everybody. You are listening to Faith FM 87.6, 87.8 or 88, depending on where you are right across Australia. This is our interview section, and for our guest interview today, we are very privileged to have Ruthie Batu joining us. Ruthie, welcome to the show. Thank you. Now, Ruthie, you're not from this country. Whereabouts are you from? I am from Papua New Guinea, and I'm from a little province called uh, Rabaul. Okay, from Rabaul in Papua New Guinea. Yes. Wow, my grandfather was in Rabaul in Papua New Guinea way back in the Second World War. That was a bit of a hot spot over there back then. Now, um, Ruthie, we're going to hear a little bit about your story, but uh, I should mention to our listeners that Papua New Guinea is Australia's closest neighbour. In fact, we have an island that is part of Australia that's only four kilometres from Papua New Guinea. Did you know that we were that close to you? Yes. Ah, there you go. See, Papua New Guinea people know that, but most Australians don't. Uh, but we're really glad that you're, uh, you're joining us today. Now, Ruthie, I want to hear a little bit about your story. What was it like growing up in Rabaul? And uh, was your family, were they, did you grow up in amongst a Christian family? I grew up in a Christian family. Actually, my mom, before uh, she got married to my dad, she was in the Uniting Church. And before she even um, came into the church, she was baptized. She found Jesus and she came into the church. And I grew up in a home where my mom and dad were faithful in the church. My, they were my mentor, and they nurtured me very well in the church. So I grew up in a home where my dad was a, a layman. Mm-hmm, he worked mm-hmm. in the church as an elder, and he supported the church in his time as an elder. That's fantastic. Yeah. Was this a home where you had uh, family worship? Yes, we have family worship, and it's uh, part of our family. Even when I'm married today, when I go back home for holidays, uh-huh. The family worship is still there since the you know the time when I grew up as a child. It has never been. Yeah, yeah, yeah! Fantastic! That's awesome, Ruth. I'm so glad yeah. to uh, so glad to hear that. I love to hear stories of families that uh, that worship and pray and study the Bible together, and love to highlight those kind of stories. Now, Ruthie, um, tell me about Rabaul. Uh, as a young person growing up, what was what was Rabaul like compared to you know what you you see here in Australia right now? Rabaul was the most beautiful place in uh, Papua New Guinea, mm-hmm. and one of the things that made it so beautiful is the volcano. Oh. We have a volcano in Rabaul, yes. but um, we also have different species of the, um, the frangipani. Oh, okay. And so it was called the Frangipani Town. Oh, really? You grew yes. up in the Frangipani Town. Yes. That's fantastic. Now, didn't that volcano, didn't that make the, uh, the town move at some stage? Yes, it erupted in uh, 1994 when I was a student at the college. Mm-hmm. But I come from a, an island closer to the volcano, but the volcano, uh, the volcano did not destroy my island. Okay, so your island's still there? My island is still there. Yes. Is your family still live there? No, the first eruption, during the first eruption, my family moved inland. That's a wise move, I think. Yes, <laughs> because they uh, thought of our future, my, yeah. my siblings and... Yeah. How many brothers and sisters do you have? I have um, three, mm-hmm. uh, a brother, and sorry, a sister and two brothers. Yes, so yep. there are four of us four in of the you. family. Yep. Uh-huh. So three apart from you, three yes. plus you. Now you said you were uh, you were away studying at um, college. What was it that you were studying? Whereabouts were you studying? I was studying at Sonoma Adventist College, mm-hmm. and uh, and that was when uh, in 1994 that was when the eruption took place. Yes. That was my final year in college. And what, what, what subject were you studying? 
Um, I was studying to be a teacher. Oh, a teacher. Okay. Yes. <laughs> yeah. So after uh, after you finished studies, did you uh, you go into teaching school somewhere? Yes, I was supposed to teach in the the only Adventist school in in the town, but mm-hmm. because of the eruption, it destroyed the school, and so I was um, asked to teach in the demonstration school that belongs to the college. Okay. So the teachers training to be teachers in in the college, they go down to the school for demonstrations. Ah. Yeah. Oh, get, yeah, all right. See where they get to practice and they get to practice work with their, you know, and chalkboard skills and yeah. their presentation skills to the kids. Uh-huh, yeah, uh-huh. yeah, fantastic. Coming back to Rabaul, you say the uh, the school was destroyed. How much of the city or the town was destroyed when the volcano erupted? Most of the town was destroyed. Now, was it flattened or just covered by ash? Or? It was covered by ash, and still today you will see the you will not see any of the buildings because uh-huh. it's covered by the ash. Oh, how deep down are the buildings? It's quite a lot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So you'd have to yeah. go digging quite you a ways. You have to dig to, right down. That'd be good fun for archaeologists one day in the future. Yeah, like yeah, let's go and find <laughs> the old city of Rabaul. <laughs> yeah, because fantastic. there's a lot of war relics in Rabaul. Yes, and so many tourists flocked into Rabaul to see the remains. Of, of course. The, the and and did, I, I guess a lot of those would have been buried by the. Um, Volcano, the, yes, the war relics? they were buried by them. Yeah, because my grandfather was, um, in the Second World War, was fighting in Rabaul. Oh, so, really? Yeah. My grandmother was the carrier at that time. Is that so? Yeah. <laughs> oh, wow. Yeah, those were hard times, very, very hard times. Of You, know, you read the history of um, fighting in Rabaul, and uh, yeah, my grandfather was um, lucky to survive. He, he did recount a couple of occasions when uh, he thought his time was up, but... Um, Survive he did, and thus I am here today, and your your grandmother survived, so maybe they knew each other. I guess Our so. Our grandparents <laughs> could have known each other. They could have yes. served side by side in the Second World War. We, 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 we will have to ask them one day. One day in heaven, we'll have to get them together. Yes. Like, did you guys know each other? Because we met, you know, in 2018 at Faith FM and, and see if we can connect the dots. But, um, okay, so when you go from, you, you started out as, as a school teacher, um, yes. And this is near Sonoma. Um, but now you're doing something quite different. What is your current role in ministry? I am now the Children's Ministry Director for the conference. Central Papua Conference is the only conference in Papua New Guinea Union Mission, and it's stationed in the capital city of Port Moresby. Okay, so now for our listeners, I'm going to give you an explanation of the difference between what in the Adventist Church we call a conference and what we call a mission. So a conference is a large group of churches, as is a mission. The difference between the two is that a conference is self-supporting financially, whereas a mission is supported by, obviously, other conferences. And so we have quite a number of missions. How many missions do we have in Papua New Guinea? Ten. We've got ten missions and one conference. Yes. Uh, whereas in Australia, which is a more developed country, we have all conferences. We don't have any any missions here. But um, yeah, congratulations! You uh, the first the first conference to be formed in, uh, in in Papua New Guinea. I remember when that happened, and there was a great celebration that that was taking place over there. Now you're the children's ministries director. I, I want to ask this question: in a developing country like Papua New Guinea, how well accepted are women in ministry? It is well accepted. Okay. Yes, because sometimes we hear that some of the developing countries, are like yeah, that's like, like you know, they obviously they've they've got history of more, um, you know, a, a, a historical culture of, of of a more man based society, and I'm assuming that would be the same for Papua New Guinea. Because in the past, um, in the past, but now because of the, you know, 
religious has become part of uh, the people in Papua New Guinea, and mm-hmm. so we believe in gender equity. Ah, yes. praise God! Yeah. yeah. So this is this is this is what yeah. Christianity brings. Exactly. Sometimes, sometimes we get criticised as Christians, like, oh, you know, Christians they go around the world and they mess everything up, and they shouldn't be doing missionary activities. But you know, Christianity has brought to Papua New Guinea gender equality. Yes. And 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 people need to remember that the concept of gender equality actually began with Christianity. Exactly, and uh, this is a is a principle in the Bible, and it's a principle that you find from uh, one end of the Bible uh, to the other. How long have you been in this particular role? I've been in the ministry for eight years, and this year is going to be my ninth year. Your ninth year, yes. wow! Now, one of the subjects that we often talk to Darren about, and I want to get um, your perspective because Darren is, you know, Darren. Um, and I've gone completely blank now. We often have Darren here on Faith FM um, doing a regular segment, but um, Darren Pratt, there we go, is coming back to my mind. Darren Pratt, uh, we often talk to him about some of the challenges that he faces here in Australia in relationship to um, child abuse. Do you face those same challenges in Papua New Guinea? We do. I think child abuse is a worldwide uh, challenge, mm-hmm. and it happens in my um, the conference as well. But people don't come out to talk about it because of uh, they're scared to come out and talk about it because most of the abuse is taking place right in the family circle. Right. Yes. Right. And even in the church, it's not so much talked about. But we've bra- broken down those barriers, and yeah. we are going in to do more advocacy. Mm-hmm. On child abuse in the church. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. This this is a, a massive problem. It's been in the news in Australia. Um, you know, we've had a royal commission into it. It uh, you know it's something that we've been covering here a fair bit on on Faith FM and looking at ways that Australia is is tackling child abuse um, in 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 this country. Um, and it's becoming much more spoken about here. This was also you know thirty years ago something you didn't talk about, but now everybody talks about it. Um, how much progress, you know, if you were to go into a village um, in Papua New Guinea or a town or somewhere like that um, and go to a church, um, do you have the freedom to just stand up front and start talking to the people about child abuse? No, you have to find ways on how you can approach and talk to them about right. this issue. So mm-hmm. in the church, um, the pastors find it uh, hard to talk about it. Mm-hmm. But women... Women are taking the lead because of the programs that we have for the women ministries and yes. children's ministry. Yep. So um, next month, there's going to be a, a program in August on the advocacy of uh, child abuse. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And when, it, when we have this kind of programs in the church, we try our best to at least come up with so many ideas and strategies so now we can reach out people and advocate more on child abuse. Do you have the legal protection in Papua New Guinea the same as here in Australia where for instance um, if uh, if a person you know if, we, if a person is um, is accused of child abuse you know, an investigation will take place and um, if they're convicted then a sentence will be carried out is that something that commonly happens in Papua New Guinea? We have that legal um, system in place, but when it comes to um, looking at child abuse cases, sometimes uh, we don't really get to uh, get the perpetrators mm, mm. to the ends of the police because uh, of the relationship that is involved. Like, if the person is a perpetrator and is one of our family members, like it will be an insult to 
uh, the family members. So some most of the cases are just covered and buried under. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I was um, I was up in Papua New Guinea one time um, on the other side of um, the island and uh, doing meetings there and there was a police officer who was assigned to me as um, for security and he was telling me about some stories that had taken place just recently within weeks of before I arrived there and and uh, um, there was a, a man who was involved in the cargo cult who'd been abusing young girls and um, he's like yeah we went up there the other day and sorted it out and it was his story was um, like a story of summary justice it was just justice handed out done finished and gone and they moved on it was yeah a little bit different from uh, from what we would do here in Australia but something that I think a lot of Australians would agree with when it comes to abusing children because you know they are you know they're the most vulnerable and they are who we need to be definitely who we need to to be protecting uh, one of the things that I see uh, that has improved a lot in the conference is that uh, people are now becoming educated on the approaches yes. and what they can do to help their families out of this abuse and I'm, I'm thankful about this. And I think this is one of the biggest challenges we have is actually educating people exactly. on, uh, on, on, on being aware of it to start with, on yes. the, the, the damage that it causes. Um, and, uh, and, and and educating them because, you know, once people are educated, we have that challenge here in Australia. People are like, oh, yeah, this doesn't really happen. Well, actually it does, you know, and we have a massive, massive problem with that right now. And one of the things that EDRA is doing, because uh, we have a partnership with the government in mm-hmm. Port Moresby, I mean, in uh, our union, mm-hmm. and uh, the government is giving in money for us to use. And so what EDRA is doing is it creates a lot of trainings, for the church leaders based on how they can uh, uh, advocate more on child abuse Mm, mm. in the mission and in the conference. Yeah, absolutely. So we do it like every year. Yeah, yeah. 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 Big big issue right there. Now, of course, children's ministry, I mean, that's a fairly serious subject, but uh, you must have a lot of happy experiences working with children. Yes, I have a lot of experiences apart from just looking at child abuse and other things. Yeah, but you must have like a lot of positive experience as well. Yes, I, mean, I have a lot yeah. of positive experiences. Like we have this uh, Shine project that we have every year. Mm-hmm. We do uh, sh- uh, fill in shoe boxes with spiritual items. And uh, so we call it uh, Worship Kids and we resource uh, children who are right in the rural, uh, remotest place of the conference. Mm-hmm. So children who, who don't have the chance of coming to a town they don't have access because of the road, mm-hmm. uh, geographical setting. And so when they open their little worship boxes, they find a Bible, a church hymnal, and uh, other kid stuff that they can use for worship. Well, that's fantastic. Ruthie, it has been wonderful to have you on the show. Thank you so much for joining us, and we wish you all the best as you head back to Papua New Guinea. Um, at this particular time, we do have to move on with our program. And uh, if you're ever back in, in Australia, come and see us here at Faith FM. But um, enjoy this piece of music as we move on with the st- show. Stay tuned. We'll be back with our encounter with God. been sick, sick so very long, but she heard my Jesus was passing by, so she joined the gathering throng, and while she was pushing her way through, someone asked her, what are you trying to do, she said if I could just touch the hem of his garment, I know I'd be made. 
the healing power of forgiveness. So if you're keen to take that first step, head to forgivetolive.org.au. Hey, Mon. Mm-hmm. Do you believe in miracles? Look, if God can change my life, I think I definitely believe in miracles. Okay, so the Hamilton Seventh-day Adventist Church is making a difference in its community. Oh, yeah, how? Well, it's worshipping together, loving together, learning together, and above all, preparing for Jesus to return together. Ooh, that sounds good. When's all this happening? Bible studies start at 10 a.m., service at 11 a.m., and guess what that's followed by? Or is it this free lunch I keep hearing about? Absolutely. Well, please join us at the Hamilton Seventh-day Adventist Church. Our address is 105 Lindsay Street, Hamilton, New South Wales. Every Saturday morning where you will be welcomed with a smile. It's the time. 